This is Very Public Affairs, the podcast of the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Very Public Affairs. I'm Joe Burke from the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. In this week's podcast, the Centre's Executive Director Wayne Burns caught up in a Sydney cafe with Mark Connolly from the activist organisation GetUp. They spoke about what GetUp does and how it decides on the issues on which it campaigns. They also discussed how and when GetUp targets corporations and industries, which it often does as part of its campaign advocacy. Mark, thanks very much. Um, we're here talking to Mark Connolly, who's the uh, Director of uh, Digital Growth and Fundraising at GetUp. So welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, can you just give us a little bit of an idea, I guess, the, the cocktail conversation of what GetUp is and what it does? Sure. Uh, GetUp's uh, an independent movement everyday people who are campaigning on progressive issues, uh, everything from making sure we get more cl- action on climate change, uh, getting, making sure corporations are paying uh, their fair share of tax and aren't cheating uh, out, out of tax to get kids off Nauru. Um, so, uh, but, you know, mostly we want to make sure we get a fairer, more sustainable country uh, uh, and that, uh, a system of politics that works for everyday people. So would you say it's a, a, a left-of-centre organisation or a, a centrist organisation? It, it, it certainly doesn't seem that some of those issues can be a little bit right-of-centre, but they're not way right-of-centre, are they? Oh, we're pretty unabashedly progressive. I mean, it's a more another term of left, but um, uh, I, I think across all of our issues. I mean, progressive but uh, independent. We don't align with any... Uh, political parties um, we don't back their agenda we have our agenda and we uh, pursue that agenda the agenda of our members with with sort of all political actors anybody who can get change or get things done um, uh, our approach is um, to have an impact we don't want to just have a say or be heard um, we're constantly measuring ourselves against what change we're actually seeing in the world and we have a very open approach to how we do that um, if we figure out strategically that something needs to be done that we've never done before in order to win on a campaign, uh, then we, you know, we might just go ahead and do that yeah. and figure it out. Uh, I mean, if we think in order to get action on climate change, we need people going away from coal companies um, and, and sending them a message to their bottom line, well, we worked uh, out a whole system to get people to switch their power company uh, called Better Power. Um, we've never played in the consumer space before, but that's not something that's going to hold us back. We figured that could have an impact. Uh, send a message to AGL and Origin that got to clean up their act. Um, and so we got thousands and thousands of people to switch to a, a more renewable-friendly energy company as a result. So um, I think that's, that's the key things about us. Um, uh, independent, um, member-driven. Um, uh, it's our members who sign the petitions and chip in uh, and donate and fund us. Uh, small dollar donations is really what drives our campaigning, um, which means that we're always going to be closely tethered um, to what is mattering to people on the ground, um, which I think is a really big advantage against the political party, so I think we kind of lose sight of that somewhere. So if it doesn't matter, it won't get funded? Yeah, I, you know, as, as a campaign director or even an executive person on the team, saying I, I can, I, we can put a campaign, send an email to a million people, but if they don't sign the petitions, they don't email their representatives or call their representatives and they don't chip in the campaign, we can't run that campaign for very long. It, that, that, 
that's how our model is built. So it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like the uh, advocacy market at work. It's a marketplace. It is a bit. Uh, I, I'm never, I'm never uh, uh, one to turn to the uh, capitalist terms. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it is. I like it as a marketplace of ideas, but uh, it's yeah, that's right. I mean, I think it just means that uh, get up. GetUp's beholden to members, or rather, members are beholden to each other in terms of what we do. So how, how does the organization decide which campaigns it, it's actually going to focus on? Yeah, I mean, a really good question. Uh, members, as I said, are, are kind of there at the beginning, the middle, and the, and, and the end, and all the way throughout. So we do do surveys sometimes, particularly an annual survey, which is called a vision survey, or, or before an election, we might, nas- national federal election, we might do a special survey for that and definitely ask them what they care most about, what they want to see action on. But I think um, even even in the, the media, there's been a certain obsession in, within a parliamentary committee about those surveys. They're, they're a starting point. But, uh, you know, the next step is what, what do people actually take action on when we send them an email, which isn't always the same as what they say is the most important in surveys, interestingly enough. So I think we have, to, we have a lot of different ways of listening. We listen to what they're caring about on social media. Uh, we have uh, almost half a million people on Facebook and, and, and you know, over 100,000 people on Twitter, so we're constantly listening to members in different ways. Uh, the other layer, though, is, is, is strategy. I mean, our members have made it clear that they want us to be impactful. So we're constantly looking for, you know, thinking about our campaigns in terms of what's possible, uh, what's in the news cycle, and getting a lot of heat. Um, we're strongest when we can capitalize on moments, of national prominence, things in the media. That's when the kind of public mobilization we do um, has the greatest strength. So we will make decisions around, you know, in, certain campaign might be very important for members, but we may not see any strategic way where we can have an impact. And we don't want them to just chip in money and um, sign a petition so they can feel good about something. That's not what we're about. That's not what our members are about. Uh, we want to have impact. So, of course, we put a layer of kind of strategy in terms of what we prioritize, what we think we can accomplish in any given period of time, and that's just another factor in our decision-making. And then, as I said before, the last stage is it doesn't really matter what we think is strategic or be impactful. If we send them the emails and they're not taking action, uh, we, can't, we can't pursue those campaigns because they're, they're the base of power. We don't have some... Um, we talk to politicians, certainly. We have a political director who has meetings, but we're not an insider power game. We're, we, we've never, we would never given a single dollar to a political party. We can't influence them with money and political patronage. So if, if members aren't really front and center in the campaign, it's not something we can ultimately have an impact on. It seems like in this part of the world, in Asia Pacific, it's the left of center advocacy groups like uh, GetUp that are, have, more, have had more traction and success than maybe right of centre mm-hmm. advocacy groups and campaign groups. And if you look at an organisation like the Heritage Foundation in the US, which is a, a massively funded and, and very astute, very effective organisation, uh, there seems to be in, in the US uh, and in the UK, both on the left and the right, very effective advocacy organisations. Why do you think in Australia that uh, on the right side of politics that uh, efforts to uh, emulate or to put an organisation together similar to, to get up on the right haven't got much traction in the past? I think uh, you know, it's a personal theory, but I think it gets down to the kind of conservative and progressive psychology. I think uh, conservatives, uh, people who think more conservatively, tend to be uh, more top-down and, hier- and hierarchical. 
and their thinking and, and what you tend to get from conservatives or progressives is great uh, message discipline. Um, you know, John Howard used to go out on talk radio, um, bypass a lot of the press gallery, and, you know, that was his way of giving sort of talking points to the conservative movement. The, the fireside chats, right? The fireside chats, right, and, and, and people would just kind of follow that sheet. You know, you hand out the talking po- points and every everybody talks from the same uh, song sheet. Uh, and, you know, on contrast, I think progressives have have difficulties doing that. It's a, it's a chorus and a big chorus, and sometimes... Uh, the the notes don't really go in harmony and we talk across each other it's much harder to get I think progressives to kind of say the same thing um, but uh, on the flip side I think progressives are uh, more naturally uh, grassroots um, and ground up um, so we have a better time of I think creating movements independent movements like get up things that are member driven um, I think even progressive leaders and people on the progressive side of politics who are in leadership positions are more kind of accepting of sort of taking the wisdom of the crowd rather than trying to impose the way that uh, people in their party or in their um, orbit are supposed to think about a given issue. As a campaign uh, thinker and and strategist, have you noticed any uh, big changes in the way campaigns are executed, planned and executed over the past couple of years. I'm thinking specifically the use of uh, digital platforms and social media as well. Yeah, that's been a big change. So I think digital, I think a, a few things have happened in terms of both medium uh, medium and um, and scale and, and, and data. So um, digital is quite important. Um, it's democratizing in the sense that, you know, you don't have to have uh, a multi-million dollar ad budget, TV ad budget to reach people, especially in like really expensive markets you know, Sydney and metro city areas. Um, you can reach people just as cheaply sort of anywhere, Facebook advertising in particular. Um, so that's seen, I think, organizations who wouldn't traditionally be able to compete with, including ours, we can't compete with, you know, advertising budgets of like large coal companies, for instance, or even the major political parties. So we have to be more um, uh, atomistic in how we reach people. We have to find, we have to be more clever and we have to, you know, find better ways. And the other thing is that the, the medium changes the message and, and changes the form of the message. Um, television is broadcast. Again, it's that top-down, right, one message, uniform message, usually very broad-based. Um, digital can be quite targeted and can be interactive. We can listen a lot better on digital. We can um, uh, listen to what people are caring about most, adjusting our, our, our message accordingly or making sure they're hearing about the issues that appeal most to them. So we, you know, get up campaigns on a range of issues and we're happy to talk to people about, you know, talk to the people who care most about climate change, about climate change, and the people who care most about refugees, about refugees, people who care most about, you know, hospital funding and what's happening to Medicare to talk to them about that. Um, So it allows you to be much more targeted in your messaging as well. And then, uh, you know, having the data behind that to support um, uh, who you send what message and, and who's most likely to be sort of a swing voter uh, all of that's really changed the game. So t- talking about the individuals that uh, you're engaging and that are involved, th- there's been descriptors of those folk in the past. They'll be happy to get behind a, a screen or on their device and uh, share information like uh, probably even uh, donate. Being referred to as, as slacktivists in the past, they, they won't take to the streets or they, they probably won't uh, call their member of parliament. Do you think that's a, a fair or unfair way of actually looking... I mean, uh, modern pretty, act- it's modern activism, though, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty unfair. I mean, I think what happens is every generation tends to look down on the next one in terms of their political activism. I can remember going to uh, 25th anniversary of Robert Kennedy's death and, and all these people from the 60s talking about how our generation you know, didn't care about politics the way they did. And I'm like, well, you guys, you know, the 60s were great, but you went on to the 80s, you know, and you all went into investment banking and law firms and made a lot of money and, you know, didn't do a lot of good after that. So stop lecturing me about what political activism is supposed uh, to look that like. That would have been a very popular conversation, I'm sure. Yeah, so um, I think every generation thinks that the, 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 uh, that the one behind it is... is um, are the slackers, but I think what the research tends to bear out is that they're engaging in different ways. Um, there are some studies that show that the, the you know the level of like engagement in sort of charities and that kind of work and volunteering has actually increased with the younger generation. Um, but I also think that yeah, I mean, there's there's two things. Some people they're busy people. They expect to get up to to step in as as the kind of professionals to have the strategy and the impact and tell them. What can you do? I've only got 10 minutes, but I've got $50. Or I've got time, but I don't have any money. What, are the, what is the thing I can do that's going to be impactful when I'm trying to you know, do my job, um, you know, take, look after my kids, and I care about the world that I live in? You know, whatever, whatever, kind of, whatever you have to give, we can offer a way for them, for them to give it. So, and people often go up what we call a ladder of engagement. They sign a petition, then they contact their MP, then they might donate then they do come out for the rally or they do go in um, to make calls. Um, that's one of the big things volunteers do. They're calling uh, swing voters and electorates uh, around the country. And that was one of our most powerful tools in Wentworth, for instance. It's interesting. The, it's almost like you see yourself as a, a proxy for some people who may want to get involved that haven't got a lot of time. Um, and then there's that volunteering uh, mm. a, a, as well. How difficult is that to coordinate? Uh, I mean, it takes a lot of people. <laughs> um, do you mean the volunteering part in particular? Yeah, in particular volunteering. Yeah, we have a lot of we we have a lot of organizing staff, but we try to promote a leaderful mo- model because if you're going to get to scale, you need that. So it's sort of training the trainers. So we want people to est- we've had people establish action networks, and those action networks have leaders, and those leaders can help lead as volunteers and and help train. More people, so it's following. It's a bit uh, related to, although not exactly the same as the Bernie Sanders um, kind of model. Um, we've, uh, you know, definitely talked to their Becky Bond, who's one of their uh, organizing leaders, and uh, herself and Zach Exley, who's another one, you know, did a book, and we've definitely borrowed from some of the model they've used because, again, we can't we can't afford to hire as many staff as it would take to directly sort of manage the, the scale of volunteers we need. So the important thing is that the volunteers who do have that time and do have that commitment can be stepped up and enabled to kind of lead people themselves. You're listening to Very Public Affairs, the regular podcast of the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. The Centre is a membership by company organisation comprising 150 member corporations across Asia-Pacific. We work with our members to disseminate international best practice on managing corporate public affairs. And we offer and deliver professional development to public affairs practitioners globally, including via our online learning platform. The Centre also conducts research into managing the function. Follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn, or visit us at www.accpa.com.au or download the Centre's app 
which is available both on iTunes and Google Play. What's the full-time staff at any, a, any given time at Getter? Um, any given time's a tough one because uh, we're, we're scaling up for the election, um, but we'd be in the range of, say, um, 60 to 70 now. Um, w- that would include some ramp-up for a, a federal election. And I imagine we'll have uh, more people on board in the election, and then that'll come off after the election. Looking forward mid-term to maybe the, the bit longer term over five to ten years, do you see anything emerging uh, on the advocacy horizon that you think that is going to change the way people get involved in issues and organisations like governments and corporations get involved and try to manage issues as well? Yeah, I think, I think digital uh, is going to keep just sort of pushing forward and changing things. Um, I said before, because it's not broadcast... Um, yes, you can you can pay money to push out Facebook ads, but one of the key factors is how good a story you tell. So, so the narrative, the narrative, exactly. Like it's not just it's not just propelled by your ad buy. Whereas you know Coca Cola can swamp you know television with an, with an with an ad and a message they want on Facebook. You can pay money, but really you're going to go further if you're if you're being compelling to people. It's almost like going back to our oral traditions where. Um, the, the best stories survived because they were told over and over and over again and then finally they were written down. So uh, we're kind of getting that era. So I think storytelling is going to become increasingly uh, important and I think that's actually going to start bleeding over from politics to the, the companies, uh, the corporations. It already has, actually. It's it already a, is. It's a, it's a valuable insight. So I think that's going to continue. And the, and the second thing is, I think, independence, the rise of independence. So I think this election will be really interesting, whether it's this election or the next or the next um, We'll, we'll, you know, Karen, Karen Phelps certainly isn't the first, um, but certainly made a splash as an independent. You know, we're, we're, I think we're going to see some strong independents, uh, one or more independents running against Tony Abbott in Warringah. Uh, I think there'll be some other places uh, where we're going to see independents that will either, you know, either have a real shot at winning um, or will change the outcome of the race because they're in it. Um, and I think it's only a matter of time before we get another situation where uh, there's a balance of power, there's a hung parliament, not like the one we have now, which is kind of, yes, it's a hung parliament, but really coalition still has the numbers, but where you're more in a 2010 situation where Labour had to, had to actually uh, govern in minor, a true minority government. So I think you're going to start seeing that and it's going to become uh, more prevalent as time goes by. It's just there are the numbers as you see the declining percentage of vote um, for major parties. In your time at GetUp, have you noted uh, any change or alteration to how corporations, you know, big companies, are engaging with the organisation or engaging or reacting to the campaigns that uh, you're, you're managing? Um, I think they're definitely more aware um, and uh, sophisticated about it. I would say that was starting from a low base, <laughs> um, but. Uh, I haven't I haven't done a lot of that work, um, but you certainly see them uh, engaging a bit uh, on Twitter when we have a go. Usually not terribly well, um, and I think they're quite responsive. I mean, you can you can get the meetings. They know the potential for damage that can happen. You absolutely see a change in results. I think. Um, no business and abuse was one of the more powerful campaigns in that way. Um, being able to so that was that was targeting companies who were actually the contractors 
operating offshore detention, and particularly when one of those companies, one of those companies actually changed its name, done so much damage to its brand. I think it was Transurban. I'm forgetting now. Became something else. Transfield Services. Yeah, Transfield. Yeah. So, and then they were acquired by a, 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 a you know a European company, Ferrovial. Spanish. Like, yeah, Spanish company who who also has you know much. Uh, in Europe, they can have much uh, higher kind of standards of um, things like <laughs> being consistent with UN Convention on Human Rights. And so, uh, you know, being able to, to push that case quite forward meant that they, you know, it was very hard for the government. You know, all the contractors who had been doing that work just pulled out. Um, so I think, I think companies are conscious of the damage that can be done, of uh, the risk of, you know, something going viral you know, online that they can't control. Again, that they can't manage with a multi-million dollar TV advertisement because that's not where the conversation is happening. You mentioned before that the organization's been in contact with campaigns overseas, for example, Bernie Sanders' movement Mm -hmm. in the US. Does that happen, uh, you know, quite a bit where you look what's happening overseas and thought, well, like a bit of this or this... This is interesting because it might play here. Is, is that a, a in your role? Is that a, something that you you focus on from time to time? I mean, absolutely. We um, we have a there's an organization called Open that actually is a has about 23 organizations like GetUp in it at the moment. GetUp was one of the first after MoveOn was in the U.S. and then GetUp and 38 Degrees in the U.K. and now they're all over the place. Uh, so uh, that the purpose of that organization so we can collaborate. Uh, trade information, uh, share tech uh, improvements. Um, uh, you know, we have some summits that are just on sort of tech and tools and how to reach people better. Um, but yeah, share campaign tactics. I mean, I just, for instance, just saw a post today on Facebook from someone at MoveOn who showed um, digital advertising spending on Facebook and MoveOn has spent $1 million in the weeks leading up to the, um, the midterm elections with a particular plan and strategy, and that is twice as much as Trump has spent. Um, it's more than anyone, in fact, um, more than the Republican National Committee. They are the number one Facebook ad spender uh, heading into the midterms. Um, so I'm definitely going to be keen. Other to, than the Russians, possibly. Other than maybe, yeah, Putin um, probably does it under many assumed names. So, um, But yes, as, as far as we know, they're the number one spender. So I'm going to be... Uh, I'm obviously going to wait a couple days, but I'll be very uh, interested to talk to them about what they did, how they did it, why they did it, did it work, uh, didn't it work, and, and, and glean the lessons. You know, it's always great to learn from other people's mistakes rather than your own. So, um, yeah, so that kind of chain exchange of, uh, of information um, uh, goes on and is really helpful, just as it does in union movements and, you know, business organizations internationally. So, yeah, we do the same thing. So you left the world of big business to join GetUp. Yeah. Uh, what's the profile of the, uh, the, the I guess, average employee? I guess there's no average employee, but what's the profile of, of your colleagues at uh, GetUp? Is, a, a fair few of them come from the corporate world? Uh, no, that's pretty unusual. Although, well, I would say there's a few, a few recovering lawyers. Yep. So we've got, uh, like myself, so I was a corporate lawyer. So we've actually got a few, I think, former former lawyers who either might have practiced at a at a big firm, um, uh, but some of them have come more. You know, we have some uh, who've come from, you know, worked in government departments and things like that. Were were lawyers, but didn't you know practice more in that policy sense rather than than at a law firm. Uh, not too many that come um, from the private sector the way that that I did. Uh, a lot of them start young. Um, 
politically engaged from the beginning want to work on something like climate economic fairness is actually the big thing that all the new recruits seem to want to work on that's the hot thing these days it used to be um, hiring for climate is really easy and hiring for the economic area was hard now everybody wants to work on the economic fairness team so that's just showing a trend in what the young folks are interested in I guess it might be an early indicator yeah, but a lot of people start um, not long after you know university or their first or second job and kind of grow up in the organization from there or have worked at other NGOs and things like that. Mark, thank you for your time. It's been uh, very enjoyable chatting to you. You too. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Very Public Affairs, subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. For more, visit the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs website at www.acpa.com.au.